I, I know that many of you are getting industrious. You're kind of done uh, binge watching some shows. You're trying to clean out a closet or a room. And uh, I think many of us have found that the perfect box when you're boxing stuff up is the medium-sized box. It is the box that is uh, big enough to put in everything you need, all the essentials, but it's small enough that you can get your arms around it. It's manageable. Uh, the interesting thing, I think, for many of us right now at this time of, of our lives and our faith is that uh, we might see this box as a perfect metaphor of, of what we feel about our faith, that we see uh, a, a way of seeing God this way, that God fits perfectly inside the medium-sized box. There's a lot of them in there, um, but we're realizing in some ways he's manageable for us. He, he can kind of get us through what we need, but the bigger things we kind of have to face on our own. And I think one of the things for some of you, you might say, well, my box isn't quite the medium size. It's a little smaller. Others of you would be maybe full of faith and say that you see this as uh, you have a, a, an extra, extra large box. But whatever size box you have, it's too small. And if we place God inside some kind of box, if we, if we limit him in some way, we're going to live with fear. We're going to live with anxiety. Uh, we're going to miss out on hearing his voice, call us into things that are so far beyond ourselves. Uh, we're going to hold on to ideas like there's no way God could use me after all the things I've done. Or, or you might start thinking things like, I'm not sure God works today like I see him working in the past. But, but, but what if we thought differently about this? What if we thought a little bigger about the way God is and the way that God works? And if you're here at Beach Point long enough, you're going to hear us quote a, a, a very special uh, scripture passage. It's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 reminds us, it gives praise to a God who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we hope or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There are two amazing ideas there. One is that he is able to do immeasurably more. It's a, it's a word, an English word that actually is translating two Greek words, exceedingly and abundantly. And so God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than anything you are able to hope for, anything you could imagine. But he does that by his work within us and through us. And, and so this is important because you and I are going to find ourselves in valleys. And for many of us, this season right now is a valley season. Uh, we all like the mountaintops, don't we? Uh, the, the mountaintop is, is kind of the metaphor of when our life is on a high and everything is working. Uh, but the valley is the metaphor of when we're in trouble, uh, when we're scared, when we're facing something that is dark and dangerous. Uh, but, but it's important for us to understand that even when we are in a valley, even in the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, that we learn something. You are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. This truth is so important. And the, the, the man that penned these words uh, so many years ago was a man named David. And David learned these words by entering into a valley. And what David knew is that sometimes you enter into a valley and there's a giant there waiting for you. And in fact, it was in this very place that David saw his story being rewritten. And as David entered into a valley with a giant, uh, we discover a big idea that I want us to explore together today. And I think it's important that we hear this today. And our big idea is this, that God is bigger 
than any giant you are facing. That God is bigger than any giant you are facing. And, and however you are facing some kind of giant in your life right now, however big, however strong, however scary that giant is, that God is bigger and that he is stronger, that he is mightier and that he is with you. And so I want us to, to think about this uh, this morning. The reality is some of us are beginning a new chapter in our story. And as you have flipped over the page and as your story is being written, this part of the chapter of, of your story is being written, there's a valley. And there's not just a valley, there is a giant in this valley. And, and I want us to think about uh, what it's like to enter into that valley and face that giant. And, and I think what David can do today is he can show us the way. Uh, what David has the opportunity to do today is to allow his story and our story to collide. So let me invite you to turn to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. And, and in this uh, great chapter, we're going to read one of the great stories of the Bible, but uh, it's helpful to know a little bit of how David got there. Uh, one of the things that we know is this, is that uh, the king at the time for Israel was a man named Saul. And Saul uh, was someone who continued to make decisions that disappointed God so much so that God said, it's time to choose a new king. And, and so he, he sent uh, Samuel, his prophet, he sent him to the home of Jesse. Jesse brought out seven of his eight sons. And the very first son that uh, Samuel saw thought uh, for sure, this must be the one. And God whispered in his heart, Samuel, you're not looking at the things I'm looking at. You're looking at the outward appearance. You see size and strength and beauty and all these things, but I'm looking for a heart. I'm looking for the right heart. And so uh, son by son by son, all seven of them, he looked at and he realized God was saying, that's not the one. So he turns to uh, the father and says, Is there, are there any other boys here? And he says, well, there is the, the youngest uh, is how our English says it. But uh, one way to translate these words is it, the, the runt is still out there. And so they go out and out in the fields is David. He's tending sheep. He's just this, this young, young uh, man, this young teen growing up. And as he comes in, God whispers into the prophet's heart. He knows this is the one. He anoints him to be the future king. David is going to be the future king, but he's not the current king. We come now to chapter 17, and as we enter into this, uh, Saul is still king, and he finds himself in a battle, and as he finds himself in this battle, it, it is Israel on one side of a, a valley, and on the other side is the Philistine army. And, and they have, there's, a, there's a standoff. Each army knows that if they enter into the valley, they'll, they'll enter into a position of disadvantage. They'll, they'll be in the low territory. And so they wait, they wait, they wait. And finally, the Philistines decide this. Let's decide this by each sending in a champion to fight, winner take all. And so their champion enters into the arena. It's a man named Goliath. And they describe him this way. He's, he's huge. He's nine feet tall. He's bigger than physically than Shaquille O'Neal. He comes in and he has got a javelin around his back, a spear, a sword. He's covered in armor. In fact, uh, the very tip of his spear alone is 15 pounds. Uh, as they, they examine this man, they realize that uh, they have no chance to shoot him with arrows. He's covered in armor. He has a shield bearer. Uh, there's no way they can rush him uh, because the army would then take advantage of them. And so they're in this standstill and Goliath begins to mock them, 
call out to them. And he not only mocks them, he mocks their God. And fear seizes the entire camp because no one sees any way to defeat this giant. For 40 days, this goes on. For the last 40 days or so, we have been facing our own giants. And my guess is someone or something is just really come to the forefront of your life. There is a giant. There's something in your life that you are facing. And so I want to invite you to, to consider this. What giant has been troubling you the past 40 days? What giant are you up against? What's breathing down your neck? What is it that's keeping you up late at night? What's waking you up and causing you not to be able to fall back asleep? What is it that has you troubled? What's threatening you? What's been after you the last 40 days? I'm gonna actually give you about 30 seconds at home. Share what that is. Be honest, be open. Kids, share with your parents. Parents, share with your kids. But if you're alone, take a moment just to reflect quietly. And then in just a a few moments, we'll come back and we'll think about uh, how to take on this next. After 40 days, David comes sent by his father to bring supplies to his brothers. He's expecting to see 40 days of battle. Instead, he sees this standoff that's been going for 40 days. And he is uh, taken by what he hears. He hears this giant uh, calling out this army, calling out his God. And so he begins to speak up to it. His brothers intercede with him and talk about how conceited he is, how he doesn't understand what's going on and how he should just be quiet. But others hear his courage and they report it to Saul and Saul calls him in. He, he meets with Saul and this is what we read. Chapter 17, let's start with verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able uh, to go uh, out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Uh, Saul tries to uh, cover David in his armor. It's too big. And, And so what he does is he simply takes a staff, a sling, and he grabs five smooth stones and he begins to walk into this valley. And as he walks into this valley, the giant looks at him and it says that Goliath saw him. He saw how young he was, how handsome he was, and he despised him. He was so upset by this, this, what felt like mockery to him that he began to curse at him. And it's kind of a fascinating moment, isn't it? Because up until this point, no one has believed in David. Uh, Samuel didn't go there looking for him. His father didn't include him. His brothers reject him. And even this giant insults him. How can such an ordinary person be expected to accomplish something so extraordinary? David had something that the others couldn't see, but God saw it. See, David had a courage 
that was fueled by his understanding and belief that he was in the presence of God, that God was with him. God was with him when he fought the lion. God was with him when he fought the bear. And these small victories, these small moments for him were, were a testimony to him that God has been with me in the past and God will be with me in the future. What a beautiful thing for us to hold on to as well. Uh, David's courage is fueled by the promise and power of God. We are God's and God is on our side. And so as he prepares to walk into that valley, his courage, the courage that God is with him propels him. Now think about this. You're walking into this valley and you're looking at one who can crush you with his bare hands. But in each hand is a, is a sword, a spear. He's got a javelin around his back. I mean, this is an intimidating moment. And in this moment, uh, we can see that David, he appears to be the underdog. This is how everyone has talked about this story for all time. And yet David knows he is the one with the advantage. He is the one with the advantage because the Lord is on his side. The one who's almighty, all-powerful, and unstoppable. Why do we say yes when God says, come with me in the valley and let's face this giant? Uh, what we see in David is we say yes because we have courage that you are with me. See, here's what David knew. David knew that he had a defender, one that would go in with him, one that would go in before him. These next moments, I just want that thought to resonate in your heart. I don't want it just to be something you believe with your head, but I want your, your emotions to, to dwell with it as well. And so we're going to sing a song together just to allow our hearts to, to deeply resonate in this moment so that we can have the courage to think about how we have to respond to our giants. And so let's sing this song together or listen to these songs, but let's let our hearts resonate with what God wants us to do as we face our giants. So are you in a valley with a giant? What are you gonna do? Well, I've got some good news and some bad news. Let's start with the bad news first. Here's the bad news. Giants don't go away by ignoring them. Giants don't go away by ignoring them. If there's a significant challenge that you are up against, and you're avoiding or pretending as if it will, it will go away if I just don't pay attention to it. You know that's not true. You may not feel the pain for, of it for a moment, but you know it, it will continue to exist. The infection will continue to grow. We all want a miracle. We just don't want a problem that necessitates a miracle. But if we are going to see a miracle, we're going to have to address the problem. Each day, Goliath called for a champion and actually Israel had a champion. His name was Saul. He was the king. He was their, their best warrior. He was the one that they were looking to. And every day he cowered, every day he ran, every day he made an excuse. Everyone in the camp made an excuse. Everyone except David. And while everyone else was making excuses, David saw an opportunity. David uh, ran into that moment. He ran towards his giant. As he enters into this moment, uh, 
uh, it's an incredible partnership between him and God. Uh, he knows God will do his part, but David must do his. David, to see the miracle, David is going to have to step into the valley. To see the miracle, he's going to have to charge the giant. To see the miracle, he's going to have to sling the stone. Some of us today need the, the courage today, tomorrow, this week, to face our giant, to confront our giant. We need to stop ignoring and start charging. Join me at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give your carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's. He will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Walking into that valley was intimidating. A giant in front of him, no doubt, that had vanquished much superior warriors than him. All around him were the, uh, was a hostile army ready to pounce on him. And yet we see in David the good news. Here's the good news. David knew this, that you have a champion who fights for you. You have a champion who fights for you. And David said, I know who is with me and I know who fights for me. It was the same confidence that Moses had years before as Moses found uh, the, the people of Israel stuck between a Red Sea and a hostile Egyptian army. And he could say, quiet, be still and the Lord will fight for you. And the Lord opened the seas for them. Or Elisha, years later, the prophet who was trapped with his servant. A hostile army had surrounded them and the servant said, I really wish you would feel as stressed about this as I do. And Elisha prayed, God, open his eyes that he may truly see what's happening. God answered the prayer and immediately the servant could see surrounding this hostile army was an army of angels and chariots of fire. It's the same confidence that a group of fishermen and tax collectors and former prostitutes, those who had been blind and lame, those who had been dead and been given new life. It was the same confidence that came over those first followers of Jesus who took on the Roman empire. They had nothing to, for themselves really to find confidence in other than they knew the promise that Jesus had given them. I will be with you until the very end. And think about it, here we are today, 2,000 years later, and what do you hear about the Roman Empire today? And yet today, there are a billion people, a billion Christians who are worshiping just like we are, even if it means we have to do it this way. But I, I want us to think about this. 
You have a champion who's going to fight for you. He's going to uh, face whatever giant you are up against. And some of you are up against a relational giant. You are feeling the pressure of uh, your marriage or maybe the, the, your relationship with your child. I've been talking to such good godly people, so many people who have been saying, there's a tension that's growing at home and we need help. There's a giant in our home and we need to confront it. Some of you, it's a financial giant and you are, are doing the best you can. Uh, but what began as a storm has turned into a season and you're not sure how you're going to get through this. And God is saying, come with me. Let's enter into that valley and let's face that giant. And, and I want you to know something that you are not alone. Beach Point is here to go through this with you. We will face these giants with you. But the best way we, we would know how to do this is this. If you go to beachpoint.com, uh, click on the need help button. Uh, that will give you a chance to fill out a care card. If you fill out a care card, it will come to us and we can join you. We can partner with you to face your giant and to enter in a valley with you. But some of you today are facing a spiritual giant. You are trying somehow to do this season without God. And I just want you to understand something that, that years ago, 2000 years ago, death and hell and, and, and the powers of this world entered into a valley to destroy us. And our champion went before us. Jesus went into that valley and gave his life on the cross. And, and uh, he not only gave his life, but he was brought back to life and he rules and he reigns. Our king gave his life for us. Our king is our champion and he is ascended to the right hand of God and he is with us through his spirit. You were meant to live life with him. And so he says to, to each of us, are you weary? Are, are, are you worn out? Are you burnt out? Come to me and I will give you rest. And I just wanna give you the invitation. If, if you're tired of doing a life apart from God, there's a button on the screen that if you wanna commit your life to the Lord today, uh, you just click that. It says that I wanna raise my hand and I wanna commit my life to the Lord. But today, tomorrow, this week, let's confront our giant. Let's face our giants. Let's enter into the valley. Let's charge those giants. And let's discover that God is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He is our light in the darkness. He is the one who will lead us. And so let's sing that. Let's declare that. And let's let him get the victory. Join us as we sing this final song.